Hi, I'm Dr. Shana, and I'd like to wish you a warm welcome to season three of the Mental Wellness Practice Podcast. We all have mental health, and this is a place for you to learn practical tips to support your mental well being. In this season of the podcast, we're exploring a variety of dimensions of wellness, trying to understand how those dimensions affect mental wellness, and understanding some opportunities for self care. Today, we're joined by Lachey Vasquez. She's a faculty coordinator at the University of Central Florida who specializes in career counseling, and she's going to help us understand occupational wellness and mental health. Lachey, thanks so much for joining us. Oh my God, thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited. I appreciate it so much. So, you know, I want to start with semantics before we jump in too far. I definitely want to get to know you and what you do. I have to tell you, even when I was saying occupational wellness, I'm thinking, is that right? Um, many times when I'm working with clients in this area, I believe that our wording matters and that choice of, is it occupational? Is it vocational? Is it career wellness? You know, I'm not sure if I'm saying the same thing and these are interchangeable terms or if they pack different meanings. So I'm hoping we can start out by clarifying that. Sure. Yeah. Um, so in the field that I'm in, just the area and the population that I work with, we don't really use the word vocational. I'm not sure if my population, which would be students, really understand what that would mean. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel they probably are all generally the same thing because career counseling did start off as vocational guidance. So as it's evolved, I believe that we use more of the career wellness term or just the career counseling. Um, very rarely do I hear occupational wellness outside of the mental health realm where we're talking about the different types of wellness tenants. Um, so moving forward in the conversation, I most likely will be talking about career wellness and possibly using the word career development or just making sure that you're healthy in your career choices. That's perfect. And thanks for also saying what I am used to, right? Of like sometimes vocational mm -hmm. pops up. I hear occupational a lot in the realm of mental health. But then I think, does mm -hmm. that translate when someone's talking about career beyond mental health, right? Because that connection yeah. is important. So I appreciate you sharing about the semantics a little bit more. So with that, tell us a little bit about how you got into career counseling and what you do today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was it was definitely an interesting way that I got into this because it wasn't really what I wanted to do. Uh, I didn't know growing up that this was actually even a profession. I didn't know outside of school counselors that they were individuals who would help you develop your career and make sure that you were going the places that you would like to go or even discovering the things that you didn't know that you wanted to do. Um, so, of course, my training is in mental health counseling, which is how I met you because you were my supervisor and my professor for a while, which was absolutely amazing. Um, so I am rooted in mental health counseling, but my career and my specialization falls into career counseling. And the way that this happened, and I know we're going to touch on a little bit later, is that when I was doing my internship with my mental health counseling program, a lot of my clients were in higher education settings. And the conversations that did pop up weren't just their major choices. It was their there, how would you say? It was just the, the fact that they weren't sure of what they wanted to do. They were receiving messaging that by the age of 18, they need to know what it is they would like to do for the rest of their lives. And from where we're sitting, we know that's not realistic. Uh, but when you're 17, 18, it's, it's the biggest question that you're always asked. What do you want to do when you graduate? And you need to be absolutely sure about it. So seeing that there was this heavy tie between mental health that I was working with and this topic constantly coming up, I wanted to learn more about that part of the conversation. 
And I just kind of fell into it from there because in our program, we had to take a career counseling class as one of our, um, our mandatory classes. And I found out that the career counseling certificate was on its way and it was being implemented again. And I love my professor so much that I just jumped right into it. And I've been jumping into it ever since. I haven't left yet. <laughs> That's a really lovely journey. And thanks for sharing for everyone a little background of how we know one another. And I, yeah. genuinely, I'm asking this question because I've been able to follow your journey along. And I've always been like, hmm, I wonder how she went off into career counseling. I'm fascinated in that because you're doing really a wonderful job at what you do. So I thank you for sharing thank that you. for everyone <laughs> and uh, for me, because I've always wondered too. <laughs> I just uh, kind of fell into it. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, I can't tell you the amount of times in working with folks, both in the mental health field and beyond that we kind of fall into what we're doing, right? And I'm sure mm -hmm. that comes up in your work a lot, right? That lots of people don't know what they want to do at the onset. You have these people who are like, I was born and as soon as I could talk, I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian, right? You, you have mm -hmm. some of those folks, but I've learned a lot, at least in mental health. And when I'm talking about career in the concept of mental health, that a lot of people come to what they might want to do by exposure, by influence, so maybe encouragement, like some of us were told you must be this when you grow right? That type of thing, whether or not we did it or not, right? Or you can't yeah. be this, or how dare you be this, you know, all of those things. So exposure, influence, education, it's really hard to come up with what you want to do without having any familiarity with it before. Yeah, and I think that's part of the battle for a lot of the people that I work with. Um, because you're you're sitting here trying to choose a major, and of course I'm going to be speaking more of a higher education standpoint because that's that's where my population is. Uh, but I can speak more general if you need me to. Um, but I feel that's the a part of the population they have this issue. That's part of the problem because they are told to choose a major that they haven't really had experience in. They're just picking classes that they think are interesting, or someone has told them, "Hey, you know, engineering makes a lot of money. We need to make sure that you're financially secure. So let's go for engineering." But no one really stops to think about Calc One and then Calc Two, then Calc Three, and their whole identity becomes about this particular profession and becoming that one thing. And if it doesn't work out, it, it hits their mental health, and they have this sense of like a loss of identity because they've identified so heavily with one profession for so long. And I think mm. there was a TED talk talking about the, the dangers of having a single identity. And I mm. see that a lot with some of the students that I work with. Um, so like you had mentioned, some people come out of the womb just saying, I'm going to be a doctor. I know I'm going to be a doctor. I love animals. I was treating my stuffed animals my whole time when I was a little kid. <laughs> Uh, but they're never really told about what are the steps that are needed to get there, what are the skill sets, um, what are the things that you need to have educationally to get there outside of just going to vet school or med school. What are those small steps that you have to use to get there? And I feel like a lot of the high schools that have those magnet programs or they have those um, STEM oriented where you're teaching students how to be nurses, you're teaching students how to be engineers, they may be showing them the cool parts of it. But once they get to college, they're realizing it's not all the cool stuff. I'm not sitting here building a robot in my intro to engineering class. I'm not doing blood work in my, my 101 class for med school or for my, my biomedical sciences classes. I'm doing some of the background stuff that you don't typically see doctors doing um, or that you don't typically see engineers doing. A lot of my friends who are engineers, they sit at a desk. And I'll have students say, you know, I want to be an engineer because I don't want to sit at a desk. I want to put my hands on stuff. And it's just like, I have something to tell you. <laughs> and then the whole thing comes in where it's like, that's not what I thought it was. 
Uh, so we offer a lot of things like job shadowing where students are able to sit with someone who is in that profession and they're able to actually see what the day looks like. But there are also limitations to that too. So if I wanted to be a counselor, if my big dream was to be a mental health counselor, I can't really sit in on sessions um, because that's that's a confidentiality breach. So I know that we get most of our exposure to careers via the media. So whether it's social media or it's television or like you had mentioned via family, uh, but when you don't have those individual connections with those who are in the profession, you are taking everything that you know based off of what you see on TV or what you see online. So I know for me with counseling, when I speak to students who want to go into the mental health counseling field, they talk about how they love speaking with people. I love helping people. I love telling people what to do, but we know that's not what counseling is. We don't tell people what to do um, because people are the experts on themselves and we help guide them. We walk next to them, never in front of them. Um, but they're just like, I love talking and I want a job where I'm doing majority talking. But there is a big paperwork aspect that comes with counseling and they're just like, writing is not my forte. And so, well, <laughs> you're going to have to make it a strength or at least learn it because it is a big piece of that too. So exposure yeah. is really important, but it's lacking most of the time. Yeah. And I know that you're speaking specific to higher ed and I appreciate you also saying that you could speak beyond that. And I'm thinking about my experience as a mental health counselor, talking to people about their careers and their decisions for life across the lifespan. And I think there is this pressure to choose what you want to do for the rest of your life early on, right? So, you know, you're talking about higher ed, but I think a lot of people feel that pressure when they're 16, right? Because it's, you choose the school that pairs well with the major, and then it, you know, that's a big part of that stepwise plan. I love hearing this exposure element from you. You're pretty much validating something that I've thought for a while, but career counseling is not my area of expertise. And I, it's so validating to hear is that many times we have a hunch we're interested in a certain path or why we're choosing this path. It's, it's an interest. Maybe it's an inability. I've always been good at math. I'm using that as an example. I have not always been good <laughs> at math. I just, these are things I, you know, I've actually never been good. Actually, I don't know. I want to say that, but you know, it's not my forte. <laughs> Right. If but then there's other... my fingers. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> nope. That's why I've turned into a field that I don't have to count very much. Um, but coming back to that, it's that exposure element and how we can get that in other ways. And, you know, there is this emphasis about making the decision about career and what you want to do with your life early on. But I think the reality is because we don't have a lot of that exposure, because we don't have a lot of that encouragement to see, okay, this is why you think you want to do this job, but here are also the practical considerations to make with this job. We have a lot of folks popping around, you know, like maybe I want to do this, maybe I want to do that. And you kind of like a trial and error approach to career that I see more often than not. So, you know, the higher ed approach does kind of pigeonhole you a little bit more. So you're like, this is what my degrees have, you know, um, <laughs> selected for me. But uh, other than that, you know, I see people with degrees, you know, that end up doing a seemingly totally different job, right? And a lot of times it's from that experience <clears throat> aspect. So I'm hoping we can talk a little bit about that, right? I'm talking about the person yeah. who did not have the luxury of having that exposure and their identity was direct. Maybe they're even mourning and grieving their identity of like, I thought I was going to be this thing that I'm mm -hmm. not currently. What about like redirection, not at the age of 18, you know, throughout someone's mm -hmm. life when they're thinking, 
I don't know if not just this job is not for me, but perhaps this entire path is not for me. Yeah. And I, I always stress, and not just to the students that I see, but you know, when you became a mental health counselor, your friends probably flocked. You're like, hey, I have a question about this. Like, do you know about this? Um, <laughs> so when my friends found out that I had transitioned from the mental health to the career counseling field, uh, I believe that we were probably at an age where we were beginning to know ourselves a little bit more and who we were at the age of 18, 16, 10 is completely different than who we are at the age of 30 and our 40s and whatnot. And we're exposed to different experiences. So like you had mentioned, exposure is a big thing and it helps you push you forward with growth. Um, so our conversations do typically revolve around either progressing the career path that they're in or completely getting out of that career path. And I'll encounter people like, you know, I'm doing this right now, but I've always kind of wanted to go to this. Is it too late? My education's not in that or I don't have the education for it. And I tell them, as long as you're not dead, it's not too late. It's definitely not too late. You can go to med school at the age of 50 if you wanted to. It's still going to take a long time. The years are still going to pass. So if it takes four years to complete something, those four years are going to pass regardless. Might as well spend those four years doing what it is that you would like to do or working towards what it is that you would like to do. So with the switching of careers, um, we try not to, I try not to focus too much on education because that piece of paper does say that you know how to start something and complete something and you do have some basic training or basic knowledge and whatever it is that you went for. But your degree doesn't have to determine what it is that you do for the rest of your life. That degree, like I said, it says that you're able to complete something, but the skill sets and the experiences that you have are what puts you in that field that you want to go into. So yeah, my education's in counseling, but it was specifically mental health counseling, but I'm not in mental health. I'm in career counseling. And my favorite thing about working in higher ed is that a lot of people who are here don't have degrees in higher ed. I don't have a degree in higher ed. My experiences led me to higher ed. One of my bosses, she has her PhD in biology. Like, why is she here, right? Like, you had this, you did all of this work and did all of this research and defended your dissertation, but you're overseeing my department. And she talks about how she just got bit by the higher education bug. Um, <laughs> my past job, another one, biology, and she's overseeing a career development center. And it's just like, how are all these people like flocking to different things? Um, so it is really your experiences that put you where you would like to go. Uh, transitioning is not, it is, it can be difficult. I don't want to downplay that because it can be difficult. Um, but knowing what it is that you already have to offer and what it is that you're looking for and being able to find ways to bridge that gap will help you transition into whatever careers that you would like to go into. So again, that's knowing what you have, knowing what they're looking for and finding ways to bridge that gap and also selling yourself to that employer to get into that profession. And it's mm. okay if you get into a profession and you realize like, I think this is not what I wanted. Change it again. Change it as many times as you would like to. Yeah. I think that's freeing to hear, right? Like it's okay to change mm -hmm. it. I think a lot of us were told, whether it's by society, family, by their inner critic of you have to do mm -hmm. this, like you committed to this, follow through. And I appreciate you um, highlighting that transition is difficult, right? So yes. we're saying it now to, out of encouragement of, you know, if you're feeling stuck, you can change that. However, <laughs> it's not just like a turn of the page and voila, no. you're there, right? It is challenging. There's some access issues there. There's some privilege issues there. You know, the cost mm -hmm. of changing, the stress of changing. We recognize that, but we're saying that it's mm -hmm. possible. I love what you said about the bridge of, mm -hmm. you know, 
don't get too, and especially for those who are degree holding and are really fixated on, but my degree says this, right? Or my history says this, it's about that connection. So like, what is it that connects you to what it is that you want to do? And finding that in other ways, like you mentioned experience, you mentioned exposure and, but I'm also thinking like I aspects of personality and who you are and what you've learned about yourself mm-hmm. along the way, you know, like what you've learned about your mental health and, you know, wanting to mm-hmm. support other people or work with other people or not work with other people. <laughs> Those are like the nuanced things about career that I'm not sure we consider at the onset. So we learn that as it go goes and we can connect that. So I will use my own example about this whole degree sure. aspect. People are always very confused when they hear my undergraduate studies were all focused on cultural anthropology. They're like, wait, what? Like, and I was always confused by why it was so confusing to other people because the bridge that I drew between cultural awareness, understanding humans, understanding social functions, and how that is helpful and necessary in mental health was so clear to me. But in the beginning and doing my interviews to get into that program, and even when people ask about like, what did you study? You studied psychology, right? No, you studied education then, right? No. And I have to share about this bridge that I built so clearly because I believed in it, you know, I, and it, it was a very convincing bridge, I guess, to other people. But at the end of the day, I didn't need anyone to believe it other than me. I saw that bridge. So I love that you mentioned this concept of the bridge and like finding that, right? So if you're interested Mm -hmm. in something, find the bridge between where you are, what makes you interested in that, what makes you drawn to that, that might be there. It might not be something that shows up on a resume, but it's within Mm -hmm. you. And that's something to pull out. And I obviously love that because it, brings up self-exploration and awareness. So I'm not going to get off on a soapbox there. No, I think it's great. (laughs) I love hearing. I didn't know that was your background. I would have assumed that you took the traditional path, which is psychology, then going forward like that. But I love that you're an example, um, letting people know that your undergrad has some weight, but it doesn't have all of the weight. It's the things that you decide to do after that. Yeah. And that uniqueness. And, you know, like I get that certain jobs and higher education institutions may have certain specifications that they require. But I Mm -hmm. think the world at large, we're seeing more of a, you know, the fabric of every person is different. So understanding Mm -hmm. their story and why they're the good fit for that job or career, I think we're leaning in a way that creates more of that opportunity. So we've already been hinting at the connection between career and mental health. But I'm hoping that you can highlight that a little bit more clearly for us. So when our career is challenging to us and when we're unhappy, maybe when we're burnt out, how does that affect our mental health? And what about the opposite? When our career is thriving, what can we expect to see in our mental health? Yeah. So when you're not feeling secure or comfortable in your career choices or just your career path, that can have like a really big impact on your mental health negatively because you spend a lot of your time at work and depending on how you got to that career path you probably put in a lot of time a lot of dedication a lot of tears in my case uh, just to find out that you don't enjoy it as much as you thought you would have and we did touch on that sense of loss of identity or maybe even questioning your own choices like do I even trust myself to make those big decisions Um, even maybe feeling guilty or feeling ashamed that you weren't able to to decide what it is that you wanted to do or the decision that you made was wrong. 
Um, but usually the, the one mental health impact that I typically see when someone is not satisfied with their career or they're, they're feeling stagnant, it's usually the stress. And then the stress can activate anxious feelings or depressed feelings. Um, you can even start to feel trapped. If you're like, I know I want to get over here, but I don't have the skills or the capability to get there, you, you start to feel helpless and you might feel hopeless and that can slide into other things as well. Um, on the flip side, when you are able to find meaning in your work, um, whether that meaning is helping people, uh, financial stability, finding whatever it is that you value in the career path that you've chosen, or in my case, that you fell into, uh, that can give you, I think it can elevate your sense of worth. Um, also impacting your self-confidence, knowing that you're making a difference or that you made the decision that was best for you, I think can can do positive things. Um, so for me, there are days when my job is really stressful. Um, I have students and clients who can be like some of the things they're going through are difficult and I'm struggling with my own things as well. And we're trying to figure it out together um, or we're just not connecting or communicating in a way that I would like to, or they would like to, and I'm not giving them what it is that they're looking for, what they feel they need in that moment. But then there are days where it just all connects. And I'm like, this is why I'm here. And it makes me happy to, to wake up and come here. And like, who can I talk to next? And just hearing all these different stories and helping people continue to write the story of their lives and their career paths, because I was able to find meaning in what I do. And you don't always have to find meaning every single day. Um, some days you can absolutely hate what it is that you're doing. You can dislike what it is that you're doing. But overall, if you enjoy what it is that you're doing, um, similar to relationships, you don't always have to like the person that you're with. As long as that love is there, then we can continue. Um, you don't always have to like your job. But as long as you love it and you have days that are more positive than negative uh, feelings towards it, I think that's that's a pretty good sign that you're in the right space right now because that can always change. Um, but yeah, it can positively impact your mental health. Um, but I wouldn't put my mental well-being completely in my career because now you're just identifying as your career and there are so many different pieces to a person and you don't want your identity to be based solely off of the things that you do but also off of who you are and what you're capable of doing too yeah absolutely in this season of the podcast we're really trying to explore these different dimensions of wellness and why they're all important to a certain degree one may be more important to someone than another, mm -hmm. or even in different phases of your life, depending on what you're going through, one area may be more important at that time. But what I find interesting that you're saying is something I say, and I hear from all other specialists in their respective realm is don't overemphasize this one, right? So you can have one area that you think is thriving. So you place a lot of emphasis in that, but it causes neglect in other areas and an imbalance over time. So it's good if you do feel you know, energized by that and it feels meaningful and purposeful, yet we also don't want to neglect some of these other areas. You know, yes. I found it interesting when you were talking about meaning making and you mentioned you don't have to find meaning every day, which I concur. And you mentioned that, you know, some days are stressful and hard and that doesn't have to have meaning. And it's interesting because from a mental health standpoint, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's just as meaningful, right? And mm -hmm. if we treated that, you know, the, the things we are drawn to and when we feel most aligned and most joyous and content, just as important as the days that we feel really stressed and, you know, like we're, <laughs> our feet are just weighing us down, we can't move one in front of the other, there's a lot of meaning in that too. And I think 
outside of career, even I'm thinking folks earlier on their path and deciding what they want to do or maybe shifting, that's helpful information too, right? If it's, I know, I'm just thinking about way back, there was a time that I considered being a pulmonologist because I was really grateful for the pulmonologist that I had. And then I was like, um, pass out every time I give blood, don't want (laughs) to see anyone else's blood, can't imagine taking anyone's blood or seeing blood or anything around, like anything remotely. I don't want to see a needle. And I'm like, okay, realistically, but it does make it kind of difficult. <laughs> will be a challenge for me. Right. So, but that's helpful information, right? We don't want to necessarily neglect some of the things that don't work for us or are stressful for us or are challenging. That's information mm-hmm. for us too. Right. So 100%. Yeah, all in all, I appreciate you too also um, showing the two sequences, right, of when we're struggling in that career realm, how it affects our mental health, but also the opportunity to thrive in the career realm and how that affects mental health too. I think something that is important to talk about in reference to career wellness that has become a, quite a global conversation, and I'm really glad it has, is burnout. I think a lot of times people think that burnout only happens when you don't like what you do and it's not the career path for you and aspects like that versus the reality in my experience, but I would love to hear your point of view, that burnout can actually happen to anyone, even if they are in love with what they're doing for a living. So can you talk to us a little bit about burnout? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like most people at some point in their life are going to experience that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I agree that burnout doesn't just occur when it's a signal that you don't like what it is that you're doing. You could really love what it is that you're doing, but you're just getting too much of it. And you're not, how do I say, you're not balancing. So we hear a lot about that work-life balance. When I feel when you're hitting that burnout phase, your work is not being balanced with the things that you like to do or the things that you do to relax. So that self-care piece, you want to make sure that the scale is even, maybe it might be tipped over a little bit more towards work as opposed to like the life and the enjoyment piece. Um, but there have been instances where I felt burnt out. And one of the instances that I had, I used to work as a 911 operator for one of the local police departments. And that's like, super stressful. (laughs) Um, But I I really enjoyed what I did. And just having so many things happen at once can cause me to feel burnout because I wasn't taking that time for myself to go, okay, this is what happened. This is how I feel about it. This is how I'm going to go moving forward. I just needed that moment to process the things that were happening. So I feel like when we're experiencing burnout frequently, that can be a sign to you know that you don't have to switch jobs. You made the wrong decision. You You need to get out right now. It's just saying, hey, you know, like you had mentioned, we have that that whole wheel of wellness. And if you focus on one, some of the others can start to go down as well. So I feel like the burnout was just saying, hey, you know, you're doing great in your career. You're killing it. But like, what are we doing over here? Like, you haven't talked to your friends in a while. Like, do you want to go ahead and focus on that? Or for you, cloud watching. Have you looked at the clouds lately? Like, (laughs) just helping you figure out, like, you need to go ahead and focus on that self-care piece, too, because you can't just keep going and going and going and going. You do need a second to go ahead and just take a break. And I know not everyone has personal leave. Not everyone can just say, hey, I'm calling out today. But a break doesn't have to mean that you're outside of your office. 
It could mean that you're taking your lunch break to watch a TV show on Netflix. Um, it could mean that you're taking a walk outside for five minutes. If you have a puppy, which I just recently got a puppy and oh my God, the stress. I thought he was going to be self-care, <laughs> but he is like the antithesis of self-care. Uh, <laughs> he, I take some time to play with my puppy and get bit by him for a little bit. And then I go right back into it. Teething is no joke. Uh, but yeah, so... Burnout happens, I feel like, to the majority of people. And sometimes it can be a sign that maybe mm -hmm. you do need to go ahead and reevaluate where you are currently and your career path. Uh, but it, it takes, I think it warrants some reflection. Why am I feeling burnt out should be the first question that you ask yourself. It shouldn't be I'm burnt out because I hate this place or I'm burnt out because I'm doing too many things. It could be other things that are going on in your life that are causing you to to deplete some of that emotional reservoir that you have where you can deal with people or work with people or you have your patients where a lot of things can just be happening in different facets of your life and it falls back into your career. And I tell my boyfriend this all the time, if your personal life is not going well, it's going to show up in your career life. It's going to happen. And you can compartmentalize for a little bit. You can keep them separate for a little bit. Like in Seinfeld, the worlds are colliding. You can stop your worlds from colliding for a little bit, but eventually they're going to hit because the common denominator is you. You are leaving that personal situation. You're coming into work. Um, even for your academics, it's going to spill over. And I know with you as a supervisor, you could probably tell when there were some personal things going on and how it was impacting how we were interacting with our classmates or just the material that we were learning. Um, so there's going to be spillover. And that burnout can be, hey, it's it's spilling over now. We need to go ahead and take a step back and just say, okay, what is happening? Yeah. And then move from there, depending on what the answer is that you give yourself. You've shared so many helpful points in that. And I want to try to summarize some. First of all, sure. I really appreciate that you shared something that I believe in that goes against what we hear about burnout a lot. So to this date, so a few years ago, the World Health Organization was highlighting burnout as actually a chronic condition, which I'm grateful for. Yet mm -hmm. it overemphasized the aspect of burnout being related to career. I, I find some issue with that because just like you're mentioning and just like I believe, wellness is a little bit more integrated. So yes, it can come from the work source, right? It can be a toxic work environment. It can be that you're overworked. It can be that you're being devalued. There, there are things that can root from that environment. Yet I find that a lot of times we're seeing our wellness so segmented. And mm -hmm. the truth is we have limited energy and resources as a whole being. So if our nutrition is poor and we're not sleeping and we are not getting time to be social with our loved ones and our, we are not budgeting and our finances are struggling, then all of that is stress on the body, very real valid stress that also affects how we show up at work, how we can interact in work, how present we could be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the idea mm -hmm. that it can only come from work, I've always found a problem with. So I appreciate you talking about this spillover effect. So yeah. if everything else is in check to that credit, right? Like if everything else is in check and yes, it is a toxic work environment and man, you found yourself in a path that is not conducive to you. It can start there and spill over in the other directions as well, mm -hmm. right? But Definitely. it doesn't have to only start in career. So I find that to be really helpful to recognize. The idea that there's other aspects of wellness and we can lean on that in times, right? 
that that I find really helpful as well. I love your puppy example. So congratulations on your puppy and good luck. Um, what a Thanks, great example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember those days. Um, the shark teeth don't last forever, but it's a really oh great God, example. I, like I, I promise you it won't. I will give you the whole, this is just a phase thing that would make oh. me roll my eyes of like, it's, it's a phase, but this phase is challenging, right? I'm in it now and it's yeah. challenging. Um, with that being said, I think that relates a lot to career too. I think about someone that goes mm -hmm. in bright eyed, bushy tailed thinking this is the perfect position for me. And this is the perfect work environment for me and not realizing that everything in life comes with a level of stress. There can be you stress doesn't have oh, yeah. to be distress, but everything comes with that. So almost overly romanticizing, near fantasizing about mm -hmm. what any one thing will look like, a marriage, a puppy, a career, right? This is a wellness issue at large is when we think something's good for us, it's only good for us and not seeing mm -hmm. both sides when we're able to see the stressors, but manage them, right? I got this... Mm -hmm. This little buddy's probably going to bite me, but man, this little buddy's really cute and I love them and I want to play with them. That balance, even just acknowledging that from a mental health standpoint, makes it easier to manage versus this is the worst decision I've ever made. I didn't think a puppy bites. I didn't think I have to take a puppy out this much. How am I going to manage the rest of my life? It can feel really catastrophic fast if we're not yes. realistic about stressors. So that's something for career, but wellness overall. So, and there are lots of other points in there that you shared, but those are some that really, really stood out to me. So thank you for that. And as we start to tie up today, I know you've shared so many helpful strategies, but I'm thinking about the person who recognizes they're not feeling the best in their career maybe, maybe it's before they're actually starting their career and they're intimidated about it. Maybe they're in, you know, they're having that like quarter life crisis of this is not the path I need to move. Maybe it's that midlife crisis of how can I shift? And even older when there's the idea of I'm not ready to retire, but I want to do something different. And what do I do with my life? When someone is doubtful about where they are in their career space, what are some strategies they can take to gain that clarity and move forward? Yeah. So something that I feel helped me because I'm not always going to be in the position that I'm in until like I'm 60, 70. I hope, I hope not. Cause I want to keep developing as a person um, and a professional as well. But something that I feel is helpful once you realize that you may not be where you would like to be, or there are other places that you would like to go, but you're not entirely sure where that place is or what that thing actually is. Because there are so many careers out there that have already been established and some that are being made every single day. So there's no way that you can possibly know everything that's there. And you might be the one to actually create that career path. Um, I remember reading about uh, someone with Deloitte who became like the chief diversity officer, or something like that. And she made that space for herself. And she was one of the first people to do this. And I'm like, this is so cool. Uh, but what I tell people is look back at the things that you have done, starting from kindergarten. My first job as a kindergartner was passing out the juice and the crackers. Like I, I love that. It was the best job I've ever had. It was unpaid, but it was such a great job. Um, but looking at those things, making a career progression, 
and trying to find out what are some of the commonalities between those things. And you may think that these have nothing to do with each other. What does me passing out juices have to do with me helping people with career? Like, what does that even have to do with each other? But when you start to break the jobs down by their values and their foundations, you'll learn that a lot of things are actually connected. So there's this book, I think it's called, you majored in what? Or what do you want to major in? Or something that's a red book. Um, But it addresses the fact that we're constantly asked that question of what do you want to do after you graduate? Or what's the next step? When you leave here, where are you going? And that gives us a lot of anxiety because we're just trying to enjoy the moment right now. Like I just got here. Like, can you give me a second to like recuperate and like figure out what it is I need to do next? Um, But people always know what's the next thing for you and not really focusing on what you're doing right now. Um, But in that particular book, they talk about chaos theory and that everything is related. And you may be too close to the situation. I see this in our mental health counseling too, that you may be too close to the situation to where you don't see how things are connected. But once you zoom out, you see that there's so many different connections and there's actually a theme going on there, whether it's anxiety or there was this one specific trauma that is is just impacting all facets of your life. Uh, being able to take that zooming out and seeing how these pieces actually make a picture will help guide you towards what are the next things that you should be looking into. And I would firmly say more often than not, there is a common thread between all of those things. So my common thread between the person passing out the juice and the person who's doing counseling, all the jobs in between there were about helping. And then you taking it a step further. I don't know any profession that doesn't help someone, whether you're creating technology to help, whether you're creating new processes to help people, or you do you want to help people directly like in their face? Do you want to help them behind the scenes? Do you want to watch to see how this help is actually um, developing this person, or do you just want to help once and let the seed grow like we do with counseling? Um, but for me, once I water down what type of help I like to do, I like to do direct help. So face-to-face help. I want to see the growth that is happening, but specifically I want to help people learn and develop. And I'm like, okay, so all of the jobs that I have dealt with or jobs that I have worked in have been revolving around learning things, learning people, having people learn themselves and using what they've learned and what I've learned to help develop them to become the people they would like to be or the people they would like to be in that moment because that can change. Um, So thinking about jobs where it allows me to have those two things where I get to learn and people get to learn and I get to develop and people get to develop, it helps narrow it down. Not so much where I'm like, this is the job, but at least I know the area that I want to go into. So I tell people, um, you know what state you want to live in? You know what city maybe you want to live in. You may have the neighborhood, but you don't really know the house just yet. And that's okay because the first house you buy is not going to be most likely the house that you spend the rest of your life in. You have a starter home. And then as your family or your experiences grow, you get another home. You may move cities, you may move states, and that's okay. Nobody gets mad at you for moving states or changing houses. And the same thing happens with career. Your needs are going to change. You are going to change. And the space that you you occupy needs to change as well. And the same thing goes for your career. So buy that new house. Go ahead and switch your career. If you don't like the neighborhood you're in, leave. That's okay. That's such a beautiful metaphor. And thank you for offering that to us. I also really love that it's nestled in this evolution of self concept. And if I were to zoom into career development, I think many of us were led to believe that it has to go in a very 
specific linear stepwise path. linear path, right? And I think the reality is, is that's very rare for folks, right? So it's <laughs> freeing to know that what I think many times people talk about lateral changes and they say it like it's a bad thing. And from a mental health perspective, I mean, what that means for me is this column right here was not mm -hmm. for you and you shifted. So yes, there's no perhaps shift in hierarchy or pay, but those are not the only things that matter, right? So this nope. lateral shift is, is looked down on. I'm like, oh my gosh, good thing you shifted, right? So, yes. and I really love going all the way back. I find that actually to be a really fun activity. So thank you for sharing that, you know, just the career evolution, but the identity mm -hmm. evolution go all the way back. What are the roles that you've held, right? What are the responsibilities that you have held and been drawn to? What are the responsibilities that you've been given and just could not stand? And how does that thread yes. into where you wanted to divert from today? I, I just really love that because I think it offers us an opportunity to not feel stagnant at any one point because mm -hmm. it's okay. Even if I have hit some sort of hierarchical mark in uh, the institution that I work in, it doesn't mean that I can't continue to grow not only in this career, but as a person. And that's a really freeing idea. And I appreciate that. And all in all, thank you so much for sharing with us today. I've learned so much about career wellness and I appreciate you highlighting how much of an impact it makes on mental wellness and so many strategies for us to try.